Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. We are just 24 hours away from Leinster's Good Friday Champions Cup quarter-final against Leicester in a rematch of their last eight clash last season that was won by Leo Cullen's men at Welford Road. The teams have been named and on the latest episode of the Left Wing Podcast we will be covering all the talking points. Will Slattery here with you and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Rory O'Connor and Rudd. I suppose the big talking points, Gary Ringrose is back, Caelan Doris is back and interestingly he's been picked at open side flanker in a back row with Ryan Baird and Jack Cohen which means Scott Penny is still on the bench. Maybe a lot of people thought he might get in for that you know, big Champions Cup start. Is that the kind of big talking point for you? Yeah, I think it's because we haven't seen it before. Caelan Doris has never worn the number seven jersey for Leinster. Um, Leo Cullen says he has played there, that he, you know he's kind of dipped in and out when other players have come on. That's it has been one of the roles that he does in training, but still, it's new. It's it's um, it's you know new for us on the outside. Anyway, we don't see him training. We never see him rep there, and and I suppose a lot of the time the games are, you know, it, it's less noticeable when a player kind of comes on and, and he shifts across. But look, he's a very good player. It's quite a big back row. It's quite three. Um, three six or you know three six slash eight really um, across it, but it's I mean against a big English team that would be quite handy in the contact zone. It's just whether like you know they're preparing for a bit of an assault at the breakdown, like you could do with a a, a breakdown specialist a, a seven in that regard. But Doris does a pretty good job there. Conan does a pretty good job there as well. So it's um it, it's very interesting to see how he gets on. I don't think it weakens Leinster significantly, although they are going into this game without the World Player of the Year and. The, their captain, who was also nominated for World Player of the Year. So any other team in the world, they'd probably be having a crisis at the moment, but nobody seems to bat an eyelid when it's Leinster because they're so strong across the board and their, their depth is so good. So um, I thought it was interesting that Jordan Armour drops out altogether and Kieran Frody's retaining the bench. I think that's you know, it's a bit harsh on Jordan Armour, who went pretty well last weekend and is a very good player, but it just shows how highly they regard Jimmy O'Brien, who moves from 13 onto the wing. But overall, it's a very good 23 Um you know, it mirrors that Ireland team quite closely. It mirrors that you know it's very close to the team. It's actually you know stronger in some ways than the team that won last weekend because Ringrose is such a, an important player for them. So um, and you, you would expect them to beat Leicester this weekend. I think even though Leicester look a bit stronger themselves. If you're Scott Penny today, how are you feeling? Are you taking this that Leo Cullen? And it's the point Luke has made in this podcast before that Leo Cullen doesn't think he's big enough to to, to face like a big back row like that because. If you're going just on form, like how many man of the matches does a man need to win until he gets his opportunity in Europe? They're kind of shoehorning Caelan Doris in in some ways. I know you said Leo Cullen says he's played there in training and stuff like that. But no, you're right. 
yeah, you're right. No, it's it's a it's a kick in the teeth, isn't it? I mean, it's it's you would think when once he saw Josh Van der Feer, sorry, once he came on for Josh Van der Feer last week and did quite well, he must have come away going, God, I have a real chance this weekend. And then you've got Will Connors, an Ireland international seven, who's who's part of the Leinster squad, who played in a friendly against London Irish last weekend and is going to South Africa for for match fitness, but he can't get anywhere near it either. He's obviously just hasn't hit the level since he came back. And the two of them are looking at Caelan Doris going in there, going, Hang on a second, what do I need to do? To get a chance here for one of these big games, but you know it's it's ruthless. It's it's this is where Leinster's see their seasons on the line every week now, and and these games are really really important. And and in fairness, Caelan Doris is probably the arguably the best back row in the world at the moment, maybe alongside Ari Sabaya. So, you know the two best players in the pitch last week, along with James Ryan, were uh, Ryan Baird and Jack Conan. So you're not dropping either of those. So. You know, if if Scott Penny wants to console himself as he goes to bed tonight, like he knows that there's three unbelievable players being picked ahead of him. It's just that one of them is being played at his position when it's not where he's naturally very good. You know, sorry, it's not his natural position, but I'm sure he'll do a very good job. For Penny, like he's been in Ireland squads, he's very highly regarded. He's obviously very highly regarded by Leinster as well, but he's not considered to be that top top tier by them. But if it's a tight game, he gets a chance to come in. At least he hasn't been dropped altogether. At least he's still got a chance to come in and, and affect the game. Um, at some point tomorrow, and that could happen early. We've seen it in the last couple of weeks, but yeah, it's it's a setback for him. I would have thought, I thought it would just be like for like because he's such. He looks like he's ready for it. And it's it's yeah, it would be a great opportunity for him to show what he can do. And now he's he's kicking his heels on the bench. Yeah, it's funny when I saw it earlier. Having as like you, I thought he definitely would be brought in like for like seven for seven. It reminded me of when Leinster played Leicester in two thousand five. Also, a Heineken Cup quarterfinal. Shane Jennings was left on the bench for that game. It was very controversial at the time. He ended up getting maybe the hump over that, or or maybe the move was in motion anyway. And leaving Leinster at the end of that season, going to Leicester, having a great two years, and then coming back obviously eventually, as we know. But it just kind of reminded me of that, like as you said, I know don't want to harp on about it, but if I'm Scott Penny today, thinking. If I'm not going to play this game where it seems set up for me to be brought into the team after all my good performances and then coming off the bench against Ulster, as you say, and playing well, taking the fight to the Stormers in in a really tough physical battle as well. He was probably one of the few forwards who really had to go for a ball uh, in hand that day. When am I getting my opportunity? And I know what you mean, three of the best back rows in the world. But, you know, again, coming back to Caelan Doris, playing in a position he never plays. He hasn't played much rugby would him would putting him on the bench probably would have been to manage the squad maybe a more fair I don't know I know you're saying it's ruthless but I just don't know. I don't know yeah like there's a lot no, of fairness, going like, on there. like fairness doesn't come into it well really like you know it's not it's, it's professional sport and if Leo Cullen thinks this is the back back road to win the game then that's what he's paid for and if if he screwed if he screwed up and we're seeing Scott Penny it reminds me a little bit of the fact you mentioned historical evidence or kind of an example there but the final in Northampton wasn't that um, wasn't there a back row change at half time there was it Jennings come on for uh, Kevin McLaughlin if my memory serves me and that was one of the big changes that they'd gone for quite a big back tall back row or, or it was O'Brien McLaughlin and he slipped I, I, I presume but bringing on Jennings made a big day I hope that's right because otherwise I've <laughs> it is yeah. I, uh, uh, so um, you know they could they could reach for Penny if they're getting you know, if they're having problems with the breakdown because they haven't got that balance right, then Penny could be a very important player for them tomorrow. But like, you know, if Penny was, if they thought Penny was good enough, he'd be starting. That's the the, the unsentimental approach to it. And he, you know, he's in the twenty three. He's you know, he's made his European debut this season. He's getting closer and closer. And he's still quite young. I know he's been around for a couple of years, and he's he's been a stalwart in the the URC team for the last couple of years. But they clearly just don't have full faith in him just yet. So, um, it's it's tough for him to take, but. 
what's his options? You know, does he go? Is is it you know take himself to one of the other provinces? Is it go elsewhere and rule himself out of Ireland contention? I think what his option really is is to knuckle down and try and get even better, and that's what Leo Cullen wants. That's what Leinster is so good at. It's you know he's got other lads coming through like Will Connors is there as I mentioned before. Van der Fleer is not gone for the season. Like he'll be back later in the season. They've got Kilhan coming through. Was an unbelievable prospect. Like the. This this doesn't get any easier. This is the this is the this, the sharp. It's why Leinster are so good. So, um, you're all like Jordan Hammer is like an unbelievable player and a, like a, what a weapon to have. And he's kicking his heels this weekend. He'll probably be part of the warm up. So, like Scott Penny, if he wants to feel good about himself again, like you can look at you know a guy with twenty five odd, you know Grand Slam winner, twenty five odd Ireland caps, if not more, who's played in big games for Leinster who can't get anywhere near it. You know, and he, like in his prime, like that. That's a that's even more disappointing for him. So like. I don't think these lads feel sorry for themselves. I don't like he might have been disappointed when he heard the news, but he he knows what he has to do. And and look, some of it's beyond his control. Like he can't be as big as as Connors or Van der Fleer. That's one of the limitations he has to get over. But like maybe he has to look find inspiration in someone like Neil Back, a Leicester legend, and find his own way into the team. You know, you got to make yourself undroppable. You know, what did you make of Leicester picking Freddie Stewart on the wing rather at fullback? I thought that was an interesting selection. Mike Brown is starting a fullback for them, an old England stalwart. You know, do you, do you think they were, are they going to be targeting, you know, Jimmy O'Brien maybe in the hour? Obviously, they wouldn't have known who was going to be picked. Maybe they thought it was going to be Jordan Lammer potentially, and that's why they went with Freddie Stewart. Either way, I think Freddie Stewart's going to be a key man. Like, if he can win some aerial battle, aerial battles, aerial duels, get some, you know, front football like Stockdale did against Leinster last week, and they got some pay from it with that cross kick try. Like, do you think that'll be an interesting battle? Are you surprised they've they moved Stewart? Yes, uh, because he's you know he's England's fullback. He's you know one of England's through a very turbulent time. He's been a consistent performer in that position for both Leicester and England. He's you know it's 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 what he's been so good at. But I suppose what Brown gives you is you know oodles of experience and you know in this kind of modern setup that you have, you, you know when you do that kind of split your two, split your backfield into two, you'd expect that it will be two fullbacks, you know, on each wing, and and Leinster won't be able to get much change out of their kicking game. So if if they're forced to kick, if if they do a job at the breakdown that Leicester expect to do, then they know they have two incredible aerial operators in that backfield ready to run the ball back or kick the ball back and chase it and win win high balls. And Brown, like you know. He was finished. Like he was, he was. He had, didn't have a club for half of the season, and he's come back. What a story that is! But he's still a very good club player. Is he good enough for this level against this? You know, against the Grand Slam winning Ireland, you know, fourteen and a Grand Slam winning team, and all of that on the on the you know fast track of Eva Leinster made a big play out of the fact that last year they went over to Leicester and they they hadn't cut the grass and the pitch was wet, even though it was a beautiful day. Like Leicester wanted a slow game. Like Leinster plays so fast and. You've like Brown. I know Chris Ashton isn't playing, but they've got Goppert on the bench. He's nearly forty. Like, can those lads really? And Dan Cole as well. Can they handle the pace at this level? I'm not entirely sure they can. Yeah, one Leinster selection that got me thinking. So it's Dan Sheen, obviously starting at hooker, as you'd expect. John McKee on the bench. It's going to be a lot of pressure on Dan Sheen for the rest of the season. If, as it, we've kind of been led to believe, Ronan Kelleher's shoulder injury will rule him out for a good chunk of that time, because you know John McKee very untested at, at this level. Dan Sheen has been going deep into matches in games where John McKee has been his backup hooker. So there's going to be a lot on Dan Sheehan's shoulders over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, this is where James Tracy's retirement has really come back to bite Leinster because that, you know, the plan was to go in with, I think if, if James Tracy had had to retire before the start of the season, they probably would have got short-term co- cover at hooker and it would have been granted permission because they are light there because McKee's very inexperienced. They signed Ty McElroy, um, who'd been bouncing around a couple of clubs in England. They've been playing club rugby in Ireland 
um, and he's part of the squad now. And then they have Lee Barron, who's very, very highly regarded, but is only in his kind of first senior year. So McKee is the guy they've gone with. He hasn't let them down, but at the same time, they've never had to rely on him. Um, and that would be, like, that's one of the risk factors. If, if Sheehan gets forced off early, then they have a really untested hooker um, coming into the fray. And, and you're right, Sheehan, Keane flagged up before the Six Nations and he ended up getting injured during the Six Nations. You know, Sheehan plays a lot of minutes for Leinster. Um, partly because of Tracy's injury and, and obviously Sean Cronin's retirement from last year as well. Um, and also Ronan Keller's ongoing battles because really what you'd like to have there is the one-two punch of being able to bring Keller on for Sheehan and you've got two world-class operators there. But I don't know when Keller is back. Like, if they get through Saturday, they've got two weeks where the, the B team will go off to South Africa, the A's will stay back here, we'll get some or and or we'll prepare under Stuart Lancaster and be ready for that um, semi-final against two loser Sharks here in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and you wonder, will they get someone like you know Kelleher, Joe McCarthy? Could they be back in the mix by then? It's hard to know at this stage. But, um, yeah, there is a bit of a risk there with McKee because just because we don't... like. He went over to South Africa last year on that tour and he played well. So, I mean, he's able to mix it and he's a good player, but it's just we haven't seen him at this level. But Leinster's, the strength and depth Leinster have, and the, it's hard to get worried about players at Leinster because the, to get into the Leinster system, you have to be so good. And to get into the Leinster 23, you have to be so good. So you almost just have this comfort that, the, the, you know, what's around them helps them. What's, what's, what they've done to get there helps them. And when they actually get pitched into it, they're, they're ready for it, you know? Uh, Keane Healy could do a job as well. I was just thinking that as you were answering after his Six Nations cameo. Like, well, if you think about Caelan Doris getting pressed in at seven, you know, I suppose Josh isn't there to throw into the line out. Yeah, so I don't know who does that job. I'm sure they've said, I'm sure they've scenario planned that, but that's that's a bit of a blow, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, he could if you were stuck. Like, you know, he's proven that certainly in the scrum, but you wouldn't want to be going down that road either. Like, you, you wouldn't want to lose Sheen, especially not early, like whatever about second half. When you know they, what they did last year was they absolutely blitzed Leicester in the first twenty minutes, and, and the game kind of played fizzled out over the rest rest of the, the next hour. Um, you know Leicester will obviously be trying to stay in the fight for as long as possible, and like there's a bit of a warning, you know, in the fact that Gloucester nearly took out La Rochelle last weekend. The Gloucester side they got hockey twice by Leinster. You know Ospreys lived with Saracens for a long time in, in their game, so like. It's knockout rugby. If Leicester get things right, if Leinster are off at even a few percentages here, like that, they could be you know six day turnaround rather than a seven day turnaround, which Leicester have. There's a few little warning sides for them, so you don't want to be, you know, you want to be able to take Dan Sheehan off for twenty minutes to go with a 20, 30 point lead. That's what Leinster are, are, are targeting here: a really accurate, really um, ruthless performance that kind of get, builds a score and, and 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 puts the game, you know, takes the legs away from Leicester so that they're they're not chasing anything. If it's still tight. Then I think you'll see Sheehan potentially go to eighty, but then he's no game for three weeks. I mean, obviously Ireland will be will be happy because he's so important to their cause. But you know, you could bet Sheehan, if Sheehan goes eighty this weekend, they won't be too worried because they you know they don't have to play him again for a couple of weeks time. Just before we get your prediction, just on the South African teams going into this weekend, you know they were so impressive last weekend at home against Munster and against Harlequins, putting up big scores. They've really come to the party now, haven't they? Like they've really. This has been. We, we've kind of seen it last year. Obviously, the Bulls beating Leinster and watching them up close in the URC. But now the rest of Europe is seeing, you know, what they can bring. And you know, the Stormers. Yeah, like sometimes I didn't think they're. I'm watching it at 1.5 times speed. Like when they have the ball in hand, they're just incredibly fast over the ground. It's. I'll be interested to see how they go this week now with two away games. Sharks and Toulouse obviously is very tough with FC potentially missing that. But the Stormers against Extra potentially a winnable opportunity there. It's very interesting to see how they've kind of taken to the tournament and going deep into it now. Yeah, I mean Stormers Stormers will be the one that I'd be kind of marking out as 
real contenders to win the competition. Like if the competition was taking place exclusively in South Africa, I think the Sharks could could go all the way. But the Sharks are such a strange team; they're ridiculously because they're eighth in the URC, even though like and they lost to the Scarlets with pretty much the same team they played against Munster with, you know, and they put fifty on Munster at home. Um, Stormers, I think, would you know the way they played against Leinster on on, on the Friday before. Um, with the caliber player they have, that pace they can play with. I mean, Exeter are not great this year. I think Exeter, like they've just gone, like Exeter went to extra time last weekend. They had a six-day turnaround, I think, into this game as well. I know Stormers have had their travel issues this week, but even Stormers are in a better position than um, Sharks in the URC. Like Sharks have to win their last two URC games to get back into this competition next year, so they have to have an eye on next week as well. Um, where Stormers will finish second or third regardless of what happens really. So like they're in a really, really good spot. What I think is a bit unfair and ridiculous is the fact that they can't have a home semi-final, even if they're top-ranked seeds, you know, because of the, the the deal the English and French clubs struck to let them into the competition. I think that's, you know, that's that's unfair. Like, this shouldn't be, it shouldn't be kind of caveats like that. It shouldn't be, it should be a level playing field. But look, I think the Stormers could definitely do Exeter this weekend. That will put them into a semi-final like away to La Rochelle or Saracens. So the like that's a really difficult semi final draw, but the Stormers are so good you could you could see them getting going all the way. And yeah, they've I the travel's a pain a pain for the clubs and the for um, coming both ways and for a Munster to have to go down there twice in a month is, is a bit ridiculous. Um but certainly on a rugby point of view and the occasions they they like you know this I thought the Sharks was a weird one last week. The atmosphere was very strange. I don't know, was it because BT were doing it off tube? I think that the really, water slide, the, the water, water slide, slide in the bouncing castle. Like, what? Jesus yeah. Christ, that was, it was hilarious, but also, like, what's going on here? Well, like, as a parent, I can see the attraction of dumping your kids off the water slide and then going off and watching the match, definitely, because we took my son to Croke Park the following day and it wasn't that fun double marking him. So, but like, I think they're still going to take a while. They, they don't really see the difference between the URC and Champions Cup over there, I don't think. I think the URC is still a massive competition, but I think the Stormers. Get it more, and the Stormers fans having won the URC last year are more more bought into it. I, like, in fairness, the big difference was that the, the the commentary team for the Stormers game was in South Africa, whereas the commentary team from the the Sharks game was in London, and it just the atmosphere didn't carry across. Whatever atmosphere is there felt so remote. So maybe that's it. But look, rugby wise, they're unreal. Like the players they have are incredible, and we saw what the Sharks did to Munster. Like that was a really sobering day at the office for for Munster so um, how far off they were was just incredible so the, 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 it, this competition is really hard to win you've got six former winners plus two South African sides with incredible pedigree although I did check not, neither of them have won Super Rugby in their, in their time but they're both really good teams full of Springboks World Cup winners like what a roster for the, the Champions Cup quarterfinals it's it's really I know the pool stages were rubbish um, last week was pretty good and I think it's only going to get better better quality all the way through now yeah, and the Stormers got a really good crowd for that Harlequins game. It doesn't really come across on television because the stadiums are so big, but I think there was over 30,000 there, which was great showing. And yeah, just on the Stormers, I think John Dobson always speaks really well. I know you were at the Lancer Stormers game and you probably got to talk to him in person, but reading his quotes ahead of that game, yeah, it was a piece that you did actually. I thought, you know, he just summed it up well. The lads really wanted to come over and face Lancer. And then I think again, after last weekend, just talking about the history of the tournament and how much they're rating it and want to win it. So I think that bodes well that the buy-in has come in. Um, so just now before we wrap up, how do you how do you see tomorrow night's game going at the Aviva? I find it hard to predict beyond Leinster. I think Leinster are too strong for most teams in this competition. I think this is the last round where you could take it for granted because it's Toulouse or, or the Sharks in the semi-final. And I would say Toulouse will win that game if we're going, if you want to go for all four. Like I think you're looking at basically Leinster the same path to the, to the Champions, championship as they had last year. Beat Leinster in a quarter. 
then he got Toulouse, a much better Toulouse this year in a semi, and then potentially La Rochelle if all going well for them in a, in a final. So a good way of kind of making up for the disappointment of the last season. But Leinster should win this. Like I think there's you know, Cullen talked about in the press conference that I was just that that you know Leicester will follow quite closely the template that England showed against Ireland, and until that red card, you know, until that second half, like they they did cause Ireland no end the problem. So there is a path to victory for them through the breakdown, through their kicking game. If you can dirty the Ireland's ball, but I don't think Leicester have the players. So I would think Leicester Leicester are going to win. And if you want me to go for the other ones, I think Toulouse will beat the Sharks pretty comfortably. I think La Rochelle Saracens is tight, but I just think Saracens just. But I just don't think they're quite at the level they were at before. I think they'll come out of it on top, and I think the Stormers will be the one team to win away. I think they'll beat Exeter, and that'll be the quarter, or that'll be the semi-final lineup. Well, it's set to be a very exciting quarter-final weekend. I'd like to thank Rory O'Connor for joining me. We will be back next week with another left-wing podcast, looking back at all the European action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on Independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.